CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP and Bosch Software Innovations. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sun Joke All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sun Joke All. Hello and uh, welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. And as always, we invite you to join the discussion on Twitter, hashtag CTR Live, and look for this show as hashtag healthcare. Today's topic is streamlining healthcare data retention and integration. Our guest for today's show is uh, Elizabeth King, who is the CIO of White Plains Hospital. Hello, Liz. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Very good. So you had a good turkey day? Yes, I did. Too much turkey, in fact. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> so uh, so we in listeners are wrapping up a series of shows we've done focused on healthcare this week. And today we are looking at a challenge impacting just about every health system. And that's problem with data uh, integration, uh, data, the way the sources are, and the compliance. So healthcare is swimming in this data right now from numerous sources and maintaining it all is creating challenges that's limiting the ability to improve the patient care. And so we thought might as well explore this and have uh, Liz on the show who is able to, who's basically living this issue. And I'd like to ask the first question, uh, Liz, when you, when you look at this whole healthcare uh, situation, and we are saying we want the patient's 360-degree view, and we want the integration. So that's all good. Where is the challenge? So perhaps the intention is there. Is the devil in the execution? Um, actually, it is. I mean, the intention is there um, to give the patient the best experience and to give that 360-degree view, as you mentioned. Um, we want the patient to be able to have a continuum of care from provider to provider, from hospital to, say, nursing home or any rehabilitation center, the issues that we're having surrounding that is a consistency of data from one place to another. We're on disparate electronic medical records. Um, In some cases, in older organizations, they may be even as far back as paper, not on anything electronic at all. So the sharing of data from the disparate systems becomes difficult at that point. So perhaps when we are working hard towards it, and there are a lot of different parties who are supposed to get together to make this happen, is the value that is to come out of this, and if the, the value in terms of improving the patient care, is that not compelling enough? Could you take us through what is it that the patient going to incrementally benefit from if he went through all this um, you know, integration and bringing that 360-degree view? Well, the patient would actually benefit in the sense that their their medical record would be able to be view, uh, viewed and seen by all, um, as appropriate, of course. So if I have any allergy, for example, or any other special, you know, requirement that regards my care, every provider that I come in contact with would be able to know that. And it would eliminate the need for me to take multiple exams or multiple x-rays or multiple any type of radiology or or lab tests over and over again, if I could take it once as appropriate and we could share that information across providers, that would provide 
for the patient um, a much easier experience, um, more consistent care. Um, the challenge is there's no one way to do things across these different organizations, and so we run into um, because we can't, the doctor can't see your lab results or what may have happened to you or what you what it may have looked like last week. Unfortunately, there's no way to repeat um, the lab results from being done again. So um, that 360 um, the view is it's kind of challenging at this time. You know, it's if you work with if you if you if you keep all of your providers in the same location, for example, there are some places that are doing it well in the sense that there are ambulatory practices. And if you see an OBGYN and you also see your primary care in the same practice, they can pull up all of the results from all of the tests that you've had. Um, but if you step out of that and in some cases go then into the hospital or go into another provider, then that information doesn't follow you. So the fragmentation of this information or the disconnect um, it's of course, you know, is is troubling and it is causing us leakages. And this fragmentation has been there for a while. So, yeah. what's why is the heat on now? Is was it always on, but you did not have the tools, or were the intentions not there, or do you have a compliance mandate? What's driving all this? I think that the um, the intention may have always been there, um, but the driver likely came about with meaningful use and. Um, DISRIP and other initiatives that are sort of putting some pressure on healthcare organizations to share uh, in patient information and also at the same time keep it safe and compliant. Um, I think that the drivers are coming more so externally to the hospitals, and we're sort of not, or I work for a hospital, but in, in, in all healthcare organizations, we're faced with using the tools that we have at this point, um, and also trying to reach out to our counterparts who have completely different systems but no real governance in place that says this is, the, this is what we're going to use as, the, as a master patient identifier and begin to share information back and forth. When you so induce pressure... Totally. And, and the pressure that you mentioned is created because of this new set of laws and legislations and regulations that have been imposed. That yeah. doesn't really solve uh, or create, make us more intelligent or make us cooperate with each other more, does it? No, it doesn't. It, it, it's actually, um, you know, we've been challenged with these laws and, and legislation, but we don't actually have the the governance model in place that would create, would cause vendors or even healthcare organizations to to have to work together, you know, so because it's sort of like we're being charged individually to get this done, not collectively as a whole. So individually, every hospital is going or every healthcare organization is going about collecting that data um, the best way that they can. And then we try to join up into RIOs and HIEs, these health information exchanges, um, and saying, well, we've done our part. You know, we have our data, and we're going to join into these health information exchanges, and we're going to do our part. However, those organizations are challenged also with all the disparate data coming through and the ability, the inability to actually share it or, or, or make it uniform. 
Can we go through some of the data points that you are trying to bring together for a given patient? Um, mostly it's, it's your general patient demographic um, information that we want to know, but we also want to know things that, like, if we're tracking, is, is this person a smoker? Um, we're trying to manage diabetes and also, you know, the population health issues where we're trying to keep the population healthier and avoid health care issues if we can. So we have um, a list of, you know, to be sure that they did smoking cessation if they are a smoker or any risk that any anything that puts them at a higher risk for needing higher level of health care would be something that we're targeting and things that we want to begin to to develop those data analytics on. So the ultimate goal would be to prevent any of those so we any of those illnesses from happening if we can then know our target audience is here, this is a high risk um say, of smokers, then, you know, we can sort of target what kind of health care initiatives we want to put in place in that location so that we can sort of prevent some of those illnesses. So since it was not done in the past and compliance is the one which is driving it, is cost at all an issue because of which it was never done in the past or it was just plain inertia, everybody just tooting their own horn and, and not kind of coming together? It's a combination, I would say, of both, but cost is definitely a factor because these um, electronic medical records and the technology that's used to to house them and in, in your infrastructure, it's, it's expensive. And in some cases, you have smaller practices that are running on something as simple as a cable modem, and they may have a small server in their office that they're just collecting data on. And it really doesn't have or meet any of the standards for example, that a hospital would where we have larger connections or larger infrastructure data centers and, um, and EMRs that, that cost into the millions that are just not, they're not available to smaller practices um, in that way. So it's difficult to, to make the connection because they may not even be as compliant because there's not a regulatory body per se um, that they that they report up to as stringent as what a, a hospital would. Based on what so, you explained, do you think we might this might be a self-inflicted pain where we are trying to expect compliance and sophistication in the way a small clinic might capture data and store it and then integrate it with the mothership compared to a hospital system which might have a multi-million dollar data center and a staff to be able to dedicate to it? There is no connection. There is no direct influence. Uh, there is there is no motivation or control that's available for you to be able to integrate with another party who may not have the same incentives or motivations to integrate. So how are you expecting to solve this problem as an individual hospital or as a key component of a healthcare system? Um, it's an interesting comment, you know, that you made in terms of being self-inflicted because it is, let's say, um, the state of New York or, or the government, if you will, that imposes these um, regulations on us or these um, expectations to, to have us share data. But it is also um, the government's lack of funding, for example, to these smaller practices that don't even, can't even take advantage of meaningful use, for example, because they don't meet the criteria. So, um, 
it's sort of it is self inflicted in that the goal is to have the data be um shared across all continuums, yet there's really not even not just not funding but not even incentives for if they self funded um to get some of these EMRs in place. I mean, it's it's literally it's a big difference between, you know, obviously the financial backing that a hospital would have and the resources that we would have or even the, the physical footprint to be able to put servers and data centers in place versus, you know, a small physician's practice or um, even a even a rehab center in some cases. So where are you expecting for this to go in terms of what is the picture, the blueprint that has been painted by the legislators or, or anyone who is requesting you to start moving, coming out of your inertia state and, and get into that ideal state? What, what is the vision that has been painted? Um, the vision that has been painted is that there's going to be these health information exchanges. There's going to be, um, like, shiny New York State exchange where we're going to basically take all of our data and we're going to be able to roll up, especially the important elements of the patient um, information that, that we're looking to track and analyze, and roll that up into these reels and shinies, and that we'll be able to then um, exchange with our counterparts in the, in the healthcare industry. Um, the challenge associated with that is there's no real, what we're learning um, is that there's no real data integrity. Um, and, and that's just because I guess at some point it wasn't a requirement. So we're, instead of us being in a system by design, we're sort of in a system that has grown into this way, and it's sort of by default. So there wasn't any real rules of the road ahead of time, and now that is the issue that's preventing us from all getting together on one, um, exchanging information, because I may collect um, Social Security number with dashes, and you may not, um, and your system may not have any requirements around it, and mine may. And so when we try to marry those two fields together, we don't, we're not having an issue even just marrying the same, the same data, you know, the same Social Security number in this case. Divide and conquer. If we, the way you explain it, this looks like a way too big of a problem for any one entity to solve or even collectively, it would take years for us to kind of see some daylight until then a lot of money will be spent and perhaps there will be leakages. So let's take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, Liz would love to understand how are we trying to split this problem into biteable chunks? and then solve it. Because on the surface, if you try to look at it, it's even overwhelming to me and I'm sure to the listeners as well. How are we, how are we going about even putting them into projects or, or different pieces and then try to attack it? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back and explore. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to HP.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. Bosch Software Innovations is proud to sponsor this program. Visit 
www.bosch-si.com forward slash connected manufacturing to find out how Bosch can help you improve your operational performance and become a manufacturing industry leader in a connected world. Change the way you predict, manage, and produce outcomes. Bosch Connected Manufacturing. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So what's that divide and conquer formula which you feel your organization should be using and are using and others in the ecosystem so that we are able to, uh, in a bite-sized manner, chunk it out and solve it and eventually get somewhere? Because taking it all in, impossible, at least on the surface. Right. Um, I think that um, we're starting to make some progress in that area in that there's um, things such as the delivery system reform incentive payment, which we call DISRIP. Um, and we're breaking it out into smaller chunks. So we have a group of hospitals in one specific area, um, and not just hospitals. There could be a Planned Parenthood and a, um, you know, other clinics, um, rehabilitation centers. And we're all trying to, from that small chunk, let's say Westchester County, um, get together and start to think about the how. Um, we know why, we know what we're trying to accomplish, but now we're trying to work on the how. How do we get smaller, um, these smaller offices connected where they may not even have, as we mentioned, um, the connectivity available to them or they may not have the funding. So there's a group of us that, that meet, you know, biweekly and, you know, all of the brains are in one room and we're sort of hashing it out at this point. How is there possibly a portal we could come up with that even though, you know, you're comparing a large hospital health system to a small doctor's office, if there's something we do have in common like an Internet connection and, and likely the use of, uh, of a portal, could we exchange, could we use that as at least a starting place to begin to marry our data together, at least in a place where it's at least viewable? Um, so those are some of the smaller chunk initiatives that we're taking on right now. And as you said, it would take several years. It would likely take us several years um, before we can effectively exchange all of the patient data at, an, at any given time. So case in point, your own, um, you know, uh, your own hospital, White Plains, and working mm-hmm. with a clinic, and they, you try to exchange data between the two of you. And right. you might come up with a way to do that. Now, how is it tying back to becoming that standardized uh, plumbing, which you would eventually like to see happen? Because you, again, will solve the problem in your immediate, with your immediate connection, but it may not solve the problem that you started out with to solve, right? Right, right. So, I mean, it's that the, the plumbing 
I mean, that may be the start of the plumbing in that if we can eventually move to, say, a portal-type information, a portal-type solution where um, at least data is being funneled in into for view only. Um, the problem is going to be, obviously, we want to edit that data. We want to we want to add some information to that data. So it's going to have to grow into something else more usable. I mean, at the end of the day, unless we're all on one electronic medical record, um, that transferring of data or um, the ability to, to view and, and particularly edit across all different um, platforms is going to be challenging for some time to come. If you look at the type of changes that you have brought about with the external entities, what has been the current reflection on uh, additional or incremental benefit that the patients got? Has any any uh, is it too preliminary for you to comment on this, or have there been incremental changes which, from your side, you've noticed and are and are sure about, and also patients are commenting that when they come to White Plains, they see a difference. No, there's definitely been some incremental changes. For example, if you, um, God forbid, break your leg and you come into the hospital and you get an x-ray and in the ER they determine that your leg is broken um, and you, the physician comes and, you know, you get cast you, and you're all, you, you have to go into now your, your lengthy treatment of, let's say you're going to stay in a cast for six weeks and then you're going to follow up with your ortho doctor off, which is obviously going to be off-site from the hospital. But those hospitals, for those practices and those physicians that are a part of or affiliated with White Plains Hospital, they will still have access to see that patient's medical record from their office, the x-ray at the time of the break, and, then, and they can also use the same PAC system, the same imaging system in their office to take newer x-rays. Um, so that is one way that we're already beginning to, um, you know, have a patient, an improved visit for the patient because their medical record is going at least at this point for White Plains from the hospital to their ambulatory physician and back. And the same goes with their lab results. If they had any blood work done in the hospital or some some um, issue that may have caused them to be hospitalized in terms of blood work, um, and then when they follow up with their primary care physician and they take another set of, of labs, they can easily compare the two at the same time because we have set up interfaces. Even if we're not on the same electronic medical record as the doctor's office, we've set up interfaces where we can see the doctor can put in orders and also get results back and forth into the EMR that they're using in their office. When you look at your fellow healthcare organizations, what are they doing new and different, which is in line with what you do? Because your incentives and motivations for doing something may not always be exactly the same. So are they picking up the same complementary chunk to work on because they are associated with you because you're not the only hospital they may be associated with? So where do they go? How do they prioritize their efforts? So there could be a synchronization problem here. Um, that's probably true, um, but I think that for the most part, most healthcare organizations that are involved in meaningful use, we're pretty much having to um, work on the same initiatives. 
so the the lab interfaces to be able to put in orders electronically and to be able to to view lab results and the and the same pretty much um, regulations or 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 incentives that I'm trying to hit from from my hospital's point of view, so are the other hospitals and healthcare organizations in the area. So we're pretty much doing the same thing um, across. The healthcare organizations. The same challenges I face are likely the same challenges they faced, and and the same successes that that we've seen, they likely have seen also. So it's interesting you mentioned that you're all doing the same. So along with legislation, have you been handed over a playbook to say work on this system first and this one in the second, and then so on? I don't think it's more so we've been handing a playbook, but in meaningful use, for example, there's certain incentives that we in order to meet the meaningful use criteria, we had to be able to have certain elements in the electronic medical record and prove that they were there. So any organization, and meaningful use isn't specific to White Plains Hospital. It's, you know, the meaningful use stage one, stage two, the requirements are the requirements for us all. So we're all trying to hit the same mark. So it's not, I wouldn't, it's not surprising to me that the other hospitals, if they intend on meeting meaningful use, have um, have accomplished the same things because then they won't meet meaningful use. And of course, there's there's incentive dollars associated with meaningful use, so there's definitely a drive to want to you know go down your checklist of meaningful use objectives and get them all done so that you know you can attest successfully for meaningful use and obtain those incentive dollars. Any weakest links that you can readily identify which you are, as a group, grappling with? Um, in some cases, like, for example, patient portal is, a, is one of our meaningful use requirements. But it's sort of outside of your control because it then requires the patient to leave your organization and log into your patient portal. They may or may not want to do it. They may or may not trust it. They may or may not have been uh, well enough to even remember you telling them about it when they were in the hospital, or there may or may not be any data that they care to look back at. Um, While that's a meaningful use criteria that each hospital has a patient portal and that a certain percentage is a certain percent of um, any patient who has been admitted to the hospital and released goes into that, once they leave, goes into the patient portal and they're able to view, download, and transmit to a third party, which is, say, their primary care physician. Um, that's sort of a, that's a challenge because that requires us to rely on the patient to actually do that. That's not something we can do for the patient. We can only make the patient portal available and be sure that it's working properly, but we can't actually ensure that the patient is going to want to use that. When you look at the different projects that you may be otherwise running, if this had not come about, that mm-hmm. those projects are still to be done. And you have this additional initiative, which is also, I'm sure, consuming quite a lot of your time, energy, and dollars. Where is that extra bandwidth coming from? Um, it's, it's challenging, to be honest. Um, resources are challenged in IT, and um, that it's it's. We're, we're stretching the same resources in many different directions is what's happening um, because, unfortunately, healthcare, IT and healthcare, is, it's like it's evolving with this EMR, whereas 
healthcare IT has always been there, but it was more looked at as a computer and a mouse. And healthcare IT now is is transforming, and and CIOs um, their role is changing. So instead of being just a chief information officer and looking at data and making sure the systems are running operationally, we're looking to have to become more innovative in thinking of ways to solve problems um, and manage all of these things and, and, and do it within a way that still meets our budget um, and still do it in most cases with the same resources that we have. So we have roles changing in IT to accommodate this. I would say that one of the challenges is there's a lack of resources that are specific to this because we're sort of grown to adapt to the change in the environment. This is it's 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 more of an afterthought. You know, it's sort of a consequence to what has been is being expected versus something that was planned out. So, Liz, unless you and or your management is a magician. Um, to get your compliance needs met and also maintain a quality level of patient care using the same exact set of resources who were already having a spilling plate. From the outside, it looks impossible. From the inside, I'm sure it's painful. Is it really possible? What is suffering then? Um, It's possible um, in the sense that, and and I'll speak to the method in which I use in the hospital. I realized early on that until we make a case for IT and um, senior senior leaders understand the the changing role of IT, we were going to need to bring in other resources. And by that, I I mean inside. So what I did was when it came to meaningful use incentives, and, and things that had, in order for us to have accomplished um, medication reconciliation, IT is providing a system there for you to use and scanners to um, scan the patient and the medicine, but IT is not actually taking care of patients. So I teamed up with the chief quality person, the chief medical officer, and I got physician champions on my side and said, if we either meet or we don't meet meaningful use. Um, and it will take a village, in this case, to, to handle the meaningful use issue. So while I'll provide the infrastructure for you to use, I'm going to need you to be the champion and you to, to hold physicians and clinicians responsible for actually, you know, clicking and scanning and entering this information into to medical records. So let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. And uh, let's, let's talk, take a deeper look at the integration issues. So we have different sources from where the data is coming in. Plus, we have our own data, which may have been siloed. So let's, let's identify what are those specific uh, data integration issues. Is it the formats not the same, or uh, are the sources coming to us at different times, or there is errors in the data that is being sent where is the issue which is causing us more heartburn than what we would we would like to see. So please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. Bosch Software Innovations is proud to sponsor this program. Visit www.bosch-si.com 
forward slash connected manufacturing to find out how Bosch can help you improve your operational performance and become a manufacturing industry leader in a connected world. Change the way you predict, manage, and produce outcomes. Bosch Connected Manufacturing. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to HP.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. Listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sun Jog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll free at 1 866 472 5790. That number again is 1 866 472 5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Jog All. Welcome back. So let's specifically look at what are the reasons, the root causes of this data integration issue. Is it too many sources where they are all bringing their own formats or they're not sending at the same time uh, by the time it is needed? Where where are the issues? Those are actually, those are all of those are issues. Um, the fact that they're in different formats, using the Social Security example from earlier, um, there are different formats. They're coming at different times. Um, there's there's physicians that chart while the patient is talking to them, while they are interviewing the patient and, and examining them. There's doctors who they don't chart for up to two days later, let's just say. Um, and it, it's, it's everyone's workflow is different and also how they're gathering this data and what fields they're gathering the data. The data requirements for those fields they're different. These are different EMRs, um, uh, different different systems altogether. So um, there's not one way to capture, apparently, you know, blood pressure, for example. You know, it could be two separate line, you know, two separate fields, or it could be one field that has, you know, that split in the middle. So trying to marry that data at, at any time when it when it's completely different is is a problem it's definitely going to be a problem. Now, we also have been hearing challenges related to data retention. What's about that? Um, data retention, it's the same thing. So not only is data retention, the amount of data we're capturing now, you know, going into big data and just we're capturing so much data now, the amount of data is growing and growing and growing. And that's not, you know, that's not the end of the world in the sense that, um, you know, we can just continue to add more storage in some cases. That's an easier fix. But it's the amount of data, all that disparate data. So we're just storing more and more data that we seem to can't, you know, be unable to put together. Um, so the data retention is a problem. It's going to continue to grow, but is it growing in a way that's healthy, that's meaningful, that we can go back and actually report from. That's the problem. It goes back to the garbage in, garbage out theory. So are we retaining a lot of garbage? Are we retaining, you know, are we retaining a lot of useful data so that 
we can actually go back at some point and historically look for whatever it is we're looking for. Now, would you say the type of data that you're able to store, the quality, does that have anything to do with the legacy systems and applications that we have been cradling all this while? And, and it is time for us to take a fresh look that if you want to have clean data float around in our ecosystem, then our corresponding applications and systems should be modernized as well? Yes, definitely. Um, the, the retaining of legacy information because of, you know, the, the, we're, we're under certain guidelines by AHIMA and, you know, other regulatory bodies. Health information records need to be retained for X amount of time. So in some cases, you know, 21 years indefinitely, right? So let's say, you know, right now the hospital is on Meditech um, and we have, let's say, 17 years worth of data in Meditech. But at some point, um, we're going to move to a different EMR. I still have to maintain that Meditech data forever for for nearly a lifetime. I mean, we, that data has to go somewhere. So and it has to be not only go somewhere, but it has to still be accessible. So then the challenge becomes, do we just store the Meditech data in its current state and leave it there in case we need to refer back to it at some point? Or do we go through some sort of conversion process and try to marry it, all the data fields and all of that data into the new EMR and then go about storing that? you know, and, 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 and creating data sets for that. So it's, it's all a lot to think about. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a large undertaking, to say the least, because it's nothing, none of the records, whether they're on paper or whether they're in an EMR, can just be discarded. It all has to be kept. And it's all being kept right now. It's all different the way it's being recorded. So the way it's being stored, is different, and the way we have to retrieve it is different until such time as some major conversion happens all to one platform, all to one field that we'll be able to actually pull back onto this data and, and, and actually have it use it for some real data analytics. What's the typical day in the life of healthcare CIO today? It's, there's lots of things happening in, in the healthcare. Um, in the CIO's day, it's Every day is sort of different. Um, you could have, for example, you know, speaking of a, a situation like this, we I found in you know there's there's legacy applications running in ambulatory practices all the time that you know you take on practices and until you can get on to each and every site and get everyone converted, everyone is sort of running their business the way they ran their business before they became part of your hospital. So while I have a small IT staff. I have them, they may run into any, you know, different type of medical record or file storage or backup drives or anything at one of these off-site locations. And if there ever becomes a question with data or some data we need, we need to now become experts in that application that we may have never seen before, which is something we ran into recently. Um, we have many things going on because we're we're faced with trying to, put technology in the hands of physicians and clinicians and that's mobile and have them be able to chart on the EMR 
that they're using at this time, also in ways that are secure. And we're managing, you know, the, also the security of the environment, the social engineering of the environment. Additionally, you know, we have all the other projects that are going on in the hospital. So, you know, in, in new toys, video conferencing, and other issues that are just coming up, all sorts of managing vendors. I mean, the day in the life of a CIO is it's different every day, but it's challenging every day. When you look at the challenges that you're facing or you're at least seeing and then you want team to follow, of course, you are the leader type A has to make things happen. So you're motivated and doing it. What's, what's with the team? Because they are used to working already hard enough and then you put something more on them. How are you managing that side of uh, the team morale and, and uh, having them bite more than they can chew? Well, for, for the way I, I manage my team is I treat them as actually like a team and we're more even like a family. Um, we meet together. We have coffee. We have candy in my office. We have, I create a scenario by where they're always welcome into the conversation. In fact, I pull them into the conversation in, in almost every conversation, in all, every project, unless it's highly confidential um, and it's sensitive in nature to the organization. Every single project that I'm a part of, at least one or two members of my team is also with me. And what I do is ask them, you know, for feedback and for ideas. And we sit down and we whiteboard and we work things out as a team so that we have team buy-in. And also across the team, we sit together, we eat together, we do things together so that we're constantly communicating with each other about different challenges we may be facing, even though it's separate silos, um, say desktop support versus um, help desk support versus network versus um, database engineers. We, we communicate amongst each other because in some cases, we're able to help each other, bounce ideas off of each other, and we just develop such a closeness that regardless of what's happening in the environment, and sometimes we're, I'm calling one of my staff on a Saturday or a Sunday because something has happened, and that's not their normal day to work. But because we function so much as a team and as a family and we have mutual respect for one another, um, there's never really any issue for someone saying, no problem, boss, I'll come and I'll take care of that. Um, so you seem to so be a fabulous manager, and that's why I'm sure the team is ready to follow wherever you go and whatever you suggest that we do as a team. Now, when mm -hmm. it comes to the actual competencies and skills, given that you're trying to either introduce new systems or have them stretch uh, beyond their current uh, capabilities to figure out how to integrate the different forms of data, et cetera, how are you preparing them so that you are not just just trying to drive a Ferrari and uh, don't have the right type of drivers for it? Well, what we do is when I look at a project overall, training um, and training for, for the staff who's going to support it is one of the first things we discuss. How will we support this? So that needs to be decided early on. If it's something that is going to be just the cost and the time associated with learning it, um, is this going to be entirely outside of something that one or two or three of my staff members can do, then that model, when we're purchasing that, that application or, or looking at that program, then part of what we're going to purchase is the support associated with that. So then our role moves more into vendor management. 
because we I, I don't expect everyone to know everything, but I also give the opportunity to any one of my staff who wants to learn anything that they haven't learned and, and, and are interested in learning, and I make that part of my business plan when putting the project together to say, I also want this person trained in this application so that at some point they could become our SME, our, our subject matter expert in that, and we're not constantly relying on outside resources. And so we may have a hybrid initially with the intent of moving towards it being one of my staff. So I try not to put some uh, pressure on them that's it's just impossible for them to manage. So I want them to know that they're valued and they have places to grow and learn, but we don't, I don't put unreal expectations on them and I don't allow um, anybody else to, quite frankly. We, I put it into the plan from the beginning. You know, we speak about support early on. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back and let's look at the partner ecosystem. So we have all the incentives and motivation to work. Our teams are ready to go. Now, we are also dependent on other parties for them to come together and start working with us. What is it that we are doing to make that happen where we eventually all win when we move ahead together? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Bosch Software Innovations is proud to sponsor this program. Visit www.bosch-si.com forward slash connected manufacturing to find out how Bosch can help you improve your operational performance and become a manufacturing industry leader in a connected world. Change the way you predict, manage, and produce outcomes. Bosch Connected Manufacturing. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to hp.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So when you're looking at the partner ecosystem where we are saying we all have to work together, and you did mention that from at least the initiative standpoint, it looks like we are all required to work on the same thing. So that's why we will be able to uh, essentially synchronize on that front. Now, another thing is to be able to work with the same motivation level and or offer each other the same collaborative spirit and camaraderie for you to move forward. Because if that was the case, and, and if, if the life was that beautiful, that everybody was working well together, then perhaps this problem may not have occurred in the first place. 
Right. And I mean, from 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 the team perspective, I mean, our internal team works great together. It's the culture. It's it's what we set up. The challenge comes in is in those you know in those partnerships where um, everyone may not share the same team spirit. Um, they may not share the same um, you know zeal or have the same type A personality that I do. I want to succeed. I want to win. You know, I want my whole team to win, and and and, and we want to do everything effectively. Um, and and so we do run into challenges in that everyone doesn't operate the same way. So you know, as you suggested, if if, if if everyone was working as a team, we likely, we may or may not be in this situation. Um, we, we, we probably have still some challenges because there's the team of us that actually support the hospitals and work there, and, you know, we're their IT superheroes every day. But then there's that team of external vendors that are creating these applications that we're using that are sort of definitely not working as a team. <laughs> I don't even think that's the goal um, because they're competitors. So while I may be teamed up with my counterparts in other um, hospitals that I'm either partnered with or just in, in the same district initiative with, um, and we may have a, a good reason for um, working together and are doing so effectively, we're still at the mercy of these vendors that are creating these EMRs with these, you know, disparate systems that are competitors with each other. So could cooperation not be an option? I mean, ultimately, if we were all to be, go on one EMR, so for example, a five to seven year view for White Plains Hospital will be that we will all be on one EMR not just the hospital and its ambulatory practices, but also with the hospital that we're partnered with in its ambulatory practices. So looking down the road five to seven years, because we're going to use one EMR, one electronic medical record, um, that information and us exchanging it across anywhere that our organization reaches is, go- is going to become at some point seamless we're going to be able to accomplish what it is that we set out to accomplish. And then you then have, you'll still have the challenge of other or other hospital systems um, that may or may not get on the same electronic medical record as us or not, um, but they still may be capturing some data differently than we are. So we're, until we get to a place where the it's actually mandated, you know, in, in saying, for social security number, it's going to be this way, this field, this number of, of characters, dashes, no dashes, whatever. Blood pressure will be captured this way. You know, there'll be one master patient identifying piece, something that can marry the patient through all disparate systems. Even, even under one electronic medical record, I don't know if that's actually the future. I know under one system, we will have that. At, at some point in, in the next, say, five to seven years. But will we be able to then still, I'm sure it'll be much easier as it then relates to HIEs and, and these health information exchanges if we're all talking about at least the same medical record um, vendor getting exchanged back and forth. That's the hope. But my concern is that if the medical record vendor isn't being legislated or, or, or forced to do the same thing with each one of its clients, then we're just, we might as well all be on different EMRs again. 
So you're bringing up a good point where uh, the vendors who are providing, I'm sure they are chosen few who you plan to use and most healthcare organizations plan to use. What is the kind of support that you're getting so that your life becomes easier and you're not grappling with at least technology challenges, which could very well uh, be an opportunity for those vendors to come and help you out? So it's a double-edged sword, the support that we're getting in the sense that we're moving to electronic medical records that can be customized for our workflow and, and, and have us capture data and display data pretty much just the way we want. So that's one side of the coin. The other side is the hospital next door can say, I don't choose to view it that way, or I don't choose, I don't have that same workflow. And so the support we're getting for us in the sense that we're going to get whatever we want, quote unquote, um, is that's great. However, is that the best thing for the whole overall, you know, looking forward five to seven years, you know, is it the best thing? Should the vendor be taking a strong stand saying, I know you want it this way, but this is going to be the uniform way for us to now provide this data to you or have it available to you so that we can then take this information later and marry it all together much easier. Your leadership, your own business leadership, what kind of support do you need from them in order for you to be able to deliver on this uh, initiative so that everyone can benefit? I think um, my leadership, what I need from my leadership, and I think what every every leader needs from their leadership is um, they we need trust and we need um, the confidence to know that we're all doing the best that we can, or at least I know that I am, you know, in trying to meet all the requirements, having a good patient experience, also meeting all the regulatory and security requirements. What I, what I need is trust and confidence to do that. And in some cases, the, the issues we run into with leaders is that, again, IT is still looked at as a second thought, an afterthought, as computers and mice, and not a partner with the very most senior leader in the organization because everything at this point, particularly in healthcare, um, is riding on IT's support and involvement. So I need, I need for my leadership and likely other CIOs need for their leadership to partner with them and understand that IT is not a separate function anymore, that we're partners at the, at the very core level of decision-making for the organization. What's your message for other healthcare CIOs who are grappling with this uh, data retention and integration-related challenges? What do you, what's your appeal to them in terms of the way they should carry, out, carry this out and the mindset they have all along? Um, my appeal to them would be, you know, for us to work together more and sort of check our egos at the door. We're all CIOs. We're all accomplished. We've all gotten to the place that we've gotten to because of some level of success. And there won't be any taking away of that success should we all learn to really work together and become agents of change in our own organizations. Um, so that we can sort of get this ball rolling because we're sort of key people in this. And I know that from my own personal experience, sometimes when you know you're the afterthought in your own organization, you don't, it's difficult to go outside 
and, 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 he, and even have the confidence to bring any ideas to the table or want to share in any, anything, you know, any of your ideas. And you look at these hospitals are now becoming health systems and partnering with each other. And every CIO is saying, well, if you're the CIO there and I'm the CIO here, what is that going to mean? You know, so, you know, we sort of have to look at the greater good, you know, um, we are who we are, and we're leaders, we're, and, and we're going to do the best job that we can do regardless of what, what someone calls us, quite frankly. Um, so if we could sort of check our egos at the door and really get together and create even a, just a, a network of CIOs that are, that are really dedicated to this cause, um, I think we can bring about some change a lot faster. Because if we as CIOs say we're not going to – accept this or from our EMR vendor, or we're not going to even suggest our EMR vendor make this customization just for us, um, those little changes can go a long way. On behalf of the show and our listeners, I'd really like to thank you, Liz, for sharing your thoughts about how organizations, healthcare organizations can work towards streamlining their data retention and integration and basically be able to provide a very, very good patient care going forward. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks. And uh, listeners, hope you enjoyed the conversations. A lot of good points here. Please like us on Facebook, search for CIO Talk Radio, and be sure to follow us on Twitter. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Till next week, take care and God bless. Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Please join Sun Joke All next Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Central Time, and 10 a.m. Eastern Time for another hour of CIO Talk Radio on the Voice America Business Channel. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP and Bosch Software Innovations.